Greetings from the North Pacific. Greetings from the Hawaiian Islands. And greetings from a church fired up because of the No Church Left Behind initiative. My name is Mike Underhill, and along with the Lostras, the Kellys, and the Sloans, we lead the Hawaiian Islands. And we're fortifying the churches there and looking forward to planning Anchorage, Alaska coming soon. Amen. And this has been, up till now, the best conference I've ever seen. Awesome seeing Tim Kernan prepare an amazing uh, GLC here. And of course, Jason preparing an awesome ICLS. Those guys are an incredible partnership in the gospel. The title of my lesson, Own Your Spiritual Health and Worship. You got to own it, amen. Let's go to Genesis 15. It says, after this, the word of the Lord came to Abram in a vision. Do not be afraid, Abram. I am your shield, your very great reward. You know, God is our very great reward. We need to own our spiritual health and worship because that is your very great reward. Amen? I want to share about my life as an example of God not being my very great reward. You know, I, I became a part of the movement in 1986. My father Lance dragged me into it as a kid. I had no choice in the matter. But I've gotten to see the Crossroads movement in the 80s. I got to see the Boston movement in Boston in the 90s. I got to move to the super church of LA in the late 90s and see it built into over 10,000 disciples. I got to perform the first song when we had 20,000 at the Rose Bowl service. I've gotten to see Grammy award-winning artists lead kingdom songs. The best speakers in the world encourage us and inspire us. And of course, a fellowship that you knew was the most fired up on earth. Amen? And there's something about seeing that. And there's something about taking it in. And for me, I knew there was a God. And I knew we would change the world. And my heart believed because the movement was so awesome. The movement became my very great rewards. And God doesn't like when you replace him with something else. And so God decided it's time to shake things up. And can you imagine seeing the world sector leaders rebel against the leader of the movement rather than lifting up his arms? Satan figured out how to strip the love and mercy out of the kingdom. My spiritual he heroes and leaders turned their back on God's man, and now they're even wondering why their churches are dying. And yet what happened to me, and I had to think about this a month ago, was that my spiritual health failed and I fell away. Because if the movement didn't crank, then was God even real? If the movement wasn't doing awesome, if it wasn't growing, then is God even there? 
and I fell away wondering, I don't even know if the Bible is truly from God. My very great reward had to be learned and taught to me by God. Finally, I, I, I saw the kingdom come back. And I got to see disciples who were once again fired up. And I, I think I've learned a lot since then that the kingdom had become my very great reward and not God. And so now today, I'm seeing that for me, there's such an incredible, important aspect of saying, okay, God is always going to be great, my great reward. Amen? Amen. I am going to be fired up when things are bad in my ministry because God's my great rewards. And I make a vow today to God's leaders in the modern day movement that I will not make the kingdom, even though I may be appointed a movement worship leader, I'm not going to worship the movement. Amen? My faith is in God alone. My discipler only enhances it. Baptisms only enhance it. But my faith won't be relying on it. Amen? And so I want to challenge you. Yes, this conference is awesome, but it doesn't come close to your very great reward in God. Thank you, and to God be all the glory. My name is Ricky Chalinor. This is my beautiful, amazing wife, Colleen. And we are here to talk to you about maximizing the sold out press international books in our churches. Thank you to the McKeans, the Kernans, the Morenos, and the entire Soapy staff for all the hard work that goes into producing these books. Raise your hand if you've read all of the Sold Out Press international books. Amen. Or more like, amen. In John 17, verse 20, Jesus, in his final moments, says, My prayer is not for them alone. I pray also for those who will believe in me through their message, that all of them may be one. Father, just as you are in me and I am in you, may they also be in us, so that the world may believe that you have sent me, and I have given them the glory you've given me, that they may be one as we are one, I and them and you and me, so that they may be brought to complete unity. Then... Then the world will know that you have sent them and have loved them just as you have loved me. One of the final things Jesus prayed for was unity within the brethren. Have you thought for yourself that the single greatest initiative that the apostles did to bring Unity to the first century church was in writing the Bible. It is through the initiative to write the scriptures that we have unity in the church. Exodus 18. Jethro comes to his ambitious but ignorant and maybe arrogant son-in-law Moses. 
He says, teach them his decrees and instructions and show them the way they are to live, how they are to behave. He says, Moses, you've got to instill conviction and you've got to show them what it looks like. But select capable men, men with conviction and a story to tell. For all the people, men who fear God, trustworthy men who hate dishonest gain, and appoint them as officials over thousands, hundreds, fifties, and tens. It is arrogant to think that you alone can lead your ministry with your preaching alone. It is essential that you instill into your ministries the conviction to read and absorb and to implement what is in the sold out press international books. I hand it over to my wife, Colleen. Amen. Well, it has been a pleasure of mine to have read all 17 Soapy books. And again, I want to thank the McKeans, the Kernans, the Kirschers, Morenos, and all of the ICCM Global staff for putting in hours and days and weeks and possibly months now for, for all of us to have these books of gold. You know, this, there's a scripture in Psalm 119, verse 103 to 4. It says, how sweet are your words to my taste, sweeter than honey to my mouth. I gain understanding from your precepts, therefore I hate every wrong path. I love that the soapy books are from our brothers and sisters. You know, for me as a young Christian, I loved reading spiritual books. But there was always something false. I'm like, oh, this book is really awesome. I'm growing in my relationship with God. And then it would say, do this to be closer to God. And it's the sinner's prayer. And I go, what in the world is that? It was so good. And then it turned so bad. And you know, for a lot of us, these sneaky, confusing doctrines can be swaying. They're they just like Proverbs 5, verse 3. These false books are like honey that drips from the adulteress's mouth. They're inviting, they're enticing, they're deceiving, and they're poisonous to our precious faith. But not the soapy books. They're written with true doctrine from our brothers and sisters that we can 100% trust. I believe that as evangelists and women's ministry leaders, it is our job, it is our goal, it must be an ambition to pick up a pen or an iPad or a Surface or a desktop or a dictation and write the truth because we all need it so badly. It is our way to protect to empower and to give our disciples a greater purpose. You know, I don't have time to talk about all 17, but I can tell you how impacting Elena's book, Elevate, is to all of the women's ministries around the world. I don't have time to tell you how necessary Raul Moreno's book is, The Battle Every King Lost Is, especially to Southeast Asia specifically the Philippines, where we have the most viewed pornographic websites in the whole world. I don't have time to tell you about Andrew's book, Proven Genuine, that helps our disciples around the world to not feel alone, that we are all going through the same kinds of sufferings. 
But I do have time to tell you about dodeca. Dodeca by Dr. Tim Kernan means 12, and it's an incredibly important book about building great Bible talks. You know, in Manila last summer, we went through Dodeca. All 30 Bible Talk leaders in Manila went through Dodeca like a first principles class. We had teams, we had icebreakers, we had good news sharing, we had quizzes. And let me tell you, putting this book into practice changed the Manila church, as in two months, we had 63 baptisms. One Sunday, while we were at the ICLS in Miami, we had 14 baptisms while we were gone. And it was because the Bible talk leaders were equipped and prepared and knew what to do, even though we were not there. I want to inspire you with that. That is just the power of one soapy book. My question is, can you imagine the power of them all in your churches? I love you. Brothers and sisters, to finish out, please consider this. Sophie is fundamental to maturing our disciples to be able to maximize the time that they have. The ability to, to build conviction and yet connect with the writers and the leaders. We know that this is the movement of God, but it is led by men. How can we be brought to complete unity when we do not even know the men and the women that are leading us. I want to challenge us to put Sophie into practice into your ministries, to instill conviction so that their relationships can be maximized. Consider this. Every day that is delayed and not maximized stands in vehement opposition to an evangelized world in this generation. Let us maximize our ministries with Sophie Books. To God be the glory. Multiplying the impact of GNN. X1 verse 14. They all joined together constantly in prayer, along with the women, and Mary, the mother of Jesus, and with his brother. My name is Alfredo Nuth, and bring you greeted from your sister's church in Santiago, Chile. I love how the translation in Spanish says, they all joined together in one spirit and constantly praying. This is how our brother and sister were in the first century. Are you with me? Now, imagine this scripture being written in our 21st century. Perhaps like this. They all joined together constantly in prayer, along with the women and Mary, the mother of Jesus, and with his brother. And then they all watched the GNN, the best new you ever see. Can you imagine them all watching the GNN? I can, I can. Peter will probably say, Oh my God, the church in New York City is cranking. John would probably say, Oh my God, the church in Los Angeles is sacrificing 
It's time more and more formations. Luke will probably say, oh my God, the Church of San Francisco is rising up more and more prophet each time. And maybe Thomas will probably say, wow, this is by far the best GNN I've ever seen in my life. In Luke 10, verse 23, 24, are you with me? The Bible says, Then he turned to his disciples and said privately, Blessed are the eyes that see what you see. For I tell you that many prophets and kings want to see what you see, but did not see it. And to hear what you hear, but did not hear it. Amen. Church, we are seeing as we are seeing. What many prophets long to see, but weren't able to. But you know, many times we don't know appreciate it. Sometimes the young disciples are more excited to see end than us, the leaders. Why are the leaders sometimes not fired up to show the GNN? Maybe because your church is not baptizing as much. Maybe because you feel envy toward other leaders. Maybe you are bitter with God for lack of fruit in your church. Or indifference. I don't lead the church. I am not the leader of this church. You know what? Instead of feeling out of compassion, envy, bitterness, or difference, repent, go to work, and stop, stop showing the miracles of God through the GNN. Are you with me? I want to inspire you today to change your mind. GNN is not something you need to show. GNN is the best news that will ever be here. And you want to show it multiply God's glory. Remember. We are seeing what many long to see. Come on, bro. Let's multiply the impact of GNN more and more in each church, in each nation, in our generation, and for God's glory. On, Greetings from the motherland of Africa. My name is Andrew Smelling. My wife and I have the privilege to lead the church in Johannesburg, South Africa. Captain Elena, thank you so much for this opportunity. Please turn with your Bibles to Jeremiah chapter 20. You know, one of my dear sons in the faith, Osayo Atoengbe, is not able to give this lesson today due to visa restrictions, but he sends his love from Kampala, Uganda, the Pearl of Africa, as we're getting ready for the inaugural service on September 18th. Please pray. The title I've been given is Setting an Evangelistic Example. Now you probably thought, what is he going to say? Is he going to have us all stand up if we've been fruitful? Well, the question is simply this. Where is your heart this morning? You know, by the grace of God, my wife and I have had the privilege to lead eight churches on two continents in the past 17 years. <laughs> 
And we've been fruitful with marrieds, campus, singles, teens, black, white, Asian, Latinos. All lives matter to God. But the question is, do all lives matter to you? Do you discriminate in your evangelism as a leader in the kingdom of God? Now, there, I just want to be open. There are times when I was leading the New York City church, and I remember one time going through Greenwich Village, and I heard a whistle. I was with my wife. And I'm like, no, 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 no. And I was tempted not to share with people who had same-sex attraction. Um, but I had to decide to repent of my prejudice. I had to decide to repent of my lack of love, and God used us to help many people who struggle with same-sex attraction to be one in New York City for the Lord. Amen. The, the truth is, is that it's easy to share with people who are like you. But it takes more prayer, more planning, and more love to share with those who are not. Amen. And I want to encourage you, do not... You, well, you can get disappointed from time to time uh, about how the world rejects the Lord, but don't you dare let Satan discourage you and steal your faith and make you forget about the power of God who can change anyone. Jeremiah chapter 20. The Bible reads here, picking up in verse 7. Oh Lord, you deceived me, and I was deceived. You overpowered me and prevailed. I am ridiculed all day long. Everyone mocks me. Whenever I speak, I cry out proclaiming violence and destruction. So the word of the Lord has brought me insult and reproach all day long. Have you felt like that? Have you felt like that? Not wanting to get rejected? But you got to love it. He's praying right here. But if I say I will not mention him or speak anymore in his name, his word is in my heart like a fire. A fire shut up in my bones. I'm weary of holding it in. Indeed, I cannot. Guys, is that how you feel? You see, the more you share your faith, the stronger you get. The more you hold yourself back, the weaker you get. Guys, we got to have deep conviction here. And I appreciate Jeremiah. You know, he was willing to bear his heart in prayer to be his best for God. And I think we have to all examine ourselves. I mean, are you complaining about your situation? Saying it's not open? Or are you compelled by the Spirit to push through the rejection? Does rejection make you more determined to be like Jesus or more faithless? I want to challenge us today with one point. It's time to announce Jesus to the world and stop denouncing him. It's time to hold up the bloodstained banner and show them that, guys, evangelists evangelize. Let's stop talking about it. Let's be about it. And to God be the glory. Amen. Greetings from the Boston Church. Amen. Ephesians chapter 4. Ephesians chapter 4. The Bible says in verse 11. So Christ himself gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the pastors and teachers, to equip his people for works of service so that the body of Christ may be built up. And the church said, Amen. This passage tells us that our role as church builders is to equip every Christian. And the title of my charge is Every Bible Talk Leader Fully Equipped. A couple years ago, Luke and Brandon Speckman gifted us with an Ikea bed. 
And I was really excited about it. I'd never had an Ikea before. And I went to go pick it up. Where's the bed? All these pieces of wood. All these pieces of metal. And I got to be honest, I fought some spiritual battles, but this was a spiritual battle. Because those pieces sat in my house. Praise God, a brother came and he had a toolbox with a bunch of tools. He was equipped with the knowledge and the tools and that bed was put together and we sleep in it comfortably every night, amen? You know, I believe the most important meeting, of course, spiritually is communion every week, but from a building perspective is the Bible Talk Leaders Meeting on Sunday. What a Bible Talk Leaders Meeting is not is it's not a second Sunday sermon, amen? In my flesh, I'd love to preach about refuting Calvinism, creation theories, and that would do nothing to equip my Bible talk leaders though, amen? Secondly, it's not a burden to be canceled when you are feeling tired. Every holiday, Memorial Day, President's Day, Indigenous People Day, no Bible talk leaders meeting this afternoon. No, we don't do that. To me, from a spiritual perspective, and a ministry perspective. This is how we equip people. So I have a list this morning. If I don't get through it, you can go on Facebook if I get the tea. 10 things you can do to fully equip every Bible talk leader. Number one, have good news sharing. Number two, quiz everyone in the beginning. I have a quiz. Seven out of seven, last seven days a week. Did you share your faith daily? Did you have quiet times daily? Did you follow up on Saturday night for your visitors? Number three, the lessons need to be practical. We just have sermon. The sermon could be how to set up a Bible study. What's a good icebreaker for Bible talk? How do you close a discipleship study? Number four, accountability. You've got to break up into small groups at the end of Bible, uh, Bible talk leaders meeting, and you need to get the missing and a plan for communion on who missed church that day in your Bible talk. You've got to get who's studying that week. And then the predictions. And you want to bring as many people from your church to Bible Talk Leaders meeting as possible so that the group can get together and they can talk about how they're going to get those souls into the waters of baptism. Number five, already said it, you need to inspire the whole church to come. Number six, give a spiritual evangelism question of the week. What's a question that you can use when you go out and share your faith? Hey, brothers, sisters, this week we're going to ask people, are you a spiritual person? This week, we're going to ask people, do you think religion is still relevant today? Something that can open up conversations. Number seven, give the Bible talk leaders surveys that they can do out on the streets. Number eight, give Bible talk outlines that they can go in and learn how to lead a Bible talk. And there's some great resources out there. Number nine, role play. And this is huge. I will at Bible talk leaders meeting act like a non-Christian. And I'll go, all right, come up here and share your faith with me. And we'll act it out, and it's a lot of fun. And finally, equip the Christians daily to have daily relationships. Bible Talk's not just a once a week meeting, it's a daily walk with the Lord. Every Bible Talk leader fully equipped to God be the glory. Amen. Good morning. My name is Fernando Chavez, this is my beautiful wife Jackie, and we bring a greeting from the City of Angels International Christian Church, amen. We've been given the title, Expecting Everyone to be Fruitful. Let's go to Ephesians chapter 2. 
You know, for us, expecting everyone to be fruitful is expecting everyone to be a worker. Yes, Ephesians 2, verse 10. For we are God's handiwork, created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. You know, this phrase, God's handiwork, in the Greek is poema which means the English word where we get the word poem or poetry. Poema means something made. In the context, is something made by God himself. You and I are a new creation, skillfully, artfully created, a divine poetry, truly the Lord's masterpiece. I want you to ponder on this thought for a second. You are created in the very hand of God. You're beautiful, you're valuable. You're an expression of the inner being of the divine artist, God himself. He also gave you the personality you have. He also gave you the height you have, or maybe not so much the height you have. Either way, when the Lord created you, he said, this is good. What was the intent of him creating you? The Bible tells us here, he created you and I to do good works. Here we see a glimpse of the inner motivation of God for creating you and I. In fact, it says these are good works. Prepare in advance for you and I. Think about it. When someone takes the time to prepare something, it takes effort, it takes thoughts, it communicates love. I think about all the preparation, all the logistics that went into preparing the GLC and what did the Kernans communicate with all this effort for the fact that they love you, they love the kingdom, they love the movement, and it's incredible things. The Alpha, the Omega, decided to take time to prepare you and prepare I for great works of service. I use the word allow because I think about what my life would have looked like not as a disciple of Jesus Christ. I come from a lineage of alcoholics. I come from a lineage of relationships where there's infidelity. This is where I would have been in my life. But yet I was given salvation. A faithful marriage of 19 years. Three beautiful daughters, one just became a disciple. And all of you. Up before you, as Paul said to the Corinthians, but by the grace of God I am what I am. And it is his grace to me was not without effect. No, I work harder than all of them, yet not I, but the grace of God that was with me. This is why I don't understand. It's hard for me to comprehend why I see others potentially not working hard. I hear Blaze come up here and preach the words. 
I'm like, that's a group of people that have decided not to let the grace of God go without effect in their lives. As a leader, it is my obligation, it is your obligation to instill a deep conviction into your disciples in terms of why they were created. Why they were created. The scripture tells us here, they were created to do good works. I give you Jackie. So sisters, in the kingdom, um, we need to make sure that we're not afraid to use the word work. I don't know if you feel that way sometimes, but we can't be afraid of using the word work and actually expecting a high degree of it. Why? Because God expects that from us. Um, and we also need to have bold expectations for each of our women. Even uh, we need to have high expectations of knowing the process that influencing, influences being fruitful. Because we want to see each and every one of our women see the miracles of God and be fruitful for Jesus. Um, just a few practicals. Um, quiet times. I know that this, is, this shouldn't even have to be said, right? But if you're having an issue with calling others to work, or if you have an issue with working yourself, then you don't know who you are working for. So we need to have quiet times and we need to see what our women are learning in their quiet times. Do you know what they're learning in their quiet times? If you don't have a deep understanding of who God is, his promises, his love for you, his, what he has planned for you in heaven, then you're not gonna wanna work. You're gonna probably get really tired and bitter and want to stop working. And I've been there. So we need to have a deep understanding of who we are working for. Because if not, we're going to start thinking we're working for man. We confuse it. You know? So uh, your women need to know who they are working for and understand that God is who ultimately will make it grow. Number two, evangelism. We focus on building a culture of evangelism versus evangelistic events. And yes, sometimes you, we will need these evangelistic events to start the momentum, right, to ignite it. But in order for us to keep that momentum like um, steady and going, we need to keep an, a culture of evangelism. So evangelism is who we are. It's not what we do. It's not an event. Okay, three, studies. We teach our people to lead in with asking um, someone to study the Bible versus come to church. Why? Because in a religious city, like when we were in Texas, everyone went to church from the time they were born. <laughs> so they say, no, I already have a church I've been going to for 20 years. Or if you live in a non-religious city, some people, that's a leaves a bad taste in their mouth. They don't want to go to church. So uh, setting up a Bible study is less of a commitment to them. So lead, we, lead, we teach our, our people to lead in with setting up a Bible study on the spot. You have more of a higher chance that you will meet them, you know, that day or when you set it up. So um, on a weekly basis, we have bold expectations. Uh, for campus, we uh, have about 20 studies per Bible talk. That is our goal, our minimum, 20 Bible studies for Bible talk. For singles, 10 to 15 studies. For marrieds, five studies. And I know that God can do even more than that. I've been amazed with, with what uh, I've seen the women do. So sisters, let's be bold and know who we are working for. Family, we love you so much. Let's have bold expectations for the Lord. Amen.